You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Sue, I, I, all right, I don't know how I got in the habit of saying, hey, let's tell them what we're talking about today, when I literally don't know every day. Uh, I know that I want to talk about the rule change. Uh, there, there were some interviews done with the coaching staff, with well, with LaFleur, some Mark Murphy things that he had mentioned, uh, some questions, and then we'll see where it goes from there. Thank you once again for all the ratings and reviews. I think as far as doing the um, the live mock draft, if anyone else is interested, I'm planning on doing two more. Um, one of those two I would like to do with the Patreon group. So if you are a Patreon subscriber and would like to do it, let me know. I don't want to do the randomized thing because I'm getting some no's. Like, oh no, I just left your review, I don't want to do that. So it's like, you know what, if you want to do it, just let me know. I will do up to two more with as few as zero more. <laughs> That's going to be up to you. And by the way, this is just... As a uh, thank you to those that left reviews and a thank you to the Patreon subscribers. We can do more, but, you know, later. But I'd like to at least get this promise that I made fulfilled. As far as iTunes, I think you've had enough of a reprieve. And again, I'm trying to get these things done. It's not going as fast as I'd like. And there is a goal that's sitting right in front of me that I would like to reach. Packers Unscripted, the official Green Bay Packers podcast, has 12 more iTunes reviews than I have. And by the way, they have four and a half stars. So if we can get 12 more, we're tied with five stars. 13 would be real nice. So again, if you've got a minute, you haven't done it yet, please leave a five-star review on iTunes. If you don't listen on iTunes, if you don't have iTunes, if you don't want to do iTunes, there's always Stitcher. Got to do it on your desktop, but it's even that is less inconvenient, in my opinion, than iTunes, which I still have not figured out how to do it. I don't know if you need the app. I don't have an iPhone. Or what, I downloaded iTunes, which is a behemoth thing that I do not want on my computer, but I feel it necessary with having a podcast. I just don't like Apple, man. I don't don't like Apple, I don't like Microsoft. Some of the biggest companies of the world are just the worst. Microsoft is my least favorite thing in the world. Everything involving Microsoft, I mean, I, I love all of their products. Correction, not a big Skype fan. But, you know, Word and that kind of stuff. I mean, if Excel went away, I, I, I'm done. So thank you for that. But man, you guys just overcomplicate everything. I guess you really got to want to give a review. Anyways, 12 more, 13 more. Be greatly appreciated. I need some time to think about what to do to give back for that. Maybe I'll just buy a Packers trinket and send it to you. I don't know. I don't have any merch yet, man. Maybe I'll just buy a shirt and send it to you. I, I don't know. But if you could, that would be awesome. If you have any questions, or if you'd like to call in, text in to What Grinds My Gears, the number is 608-501-0718, 608-501-0718. All right, so I want to briefly talk about the rule change. The only reason I would like to try to keep it brief is because I feel like I've, I've mentioned this several times. I don't have a problem with the rule change just in a vacuum, right? Something is wrong and it needs to be right. I understand that. Had this, you know, rule been in place, maybe the Saints would have won that game, presumably, I mean, we're still relying on the people that got it wrong to get it right a second time, so we can't guarantee that. But presumably, they would have corrected it, and there would have been a different outcome, etc., etc. And ultimately, this should maybe ultimately 
result in better things happening. That's true, but if that's all we're looking at, we're not really looking at any of the negatives. That's the problem. And, and you know, the, the exact same thing I've said before is every time we try to fix something, we make it worse. And we just keep digging that hole. And we just keep making it worse and worse and worse. Now, I think this can be fixed. Or, you know, I don't know if that's even the right statement. I think maybe there are better alternatives. And I, I, listen, I'm sure you've heard all of this already, so I don't want to be too repetitive. But, I, you know, one of the biggest problems I see with this is the slippery slope argument. And I know a lot of times people roll their eyes when people say slippery slope. And I'm not entirely sure why, because there's some validity to it. Because ultimately what we're talking about is the core of the argument, right? Slippery slope by itself is, is a logical fallacy, like actually textbook logical fallacy. But he, here's kind of what I'm getting at. What is the core argument? And then the problem is, can you apply that other places? And the answer is yes, everywhere. There was a mistake in officiating. Therefore, what? We need to change the rules and make it reviewable or whatever, we need to change the rules to fix that. The problem is there's never going to be a time when there aren't penalties that are gotten away with. I mean, the, the question is, where do you draw the line? And, and I understand, like, okay, we're going to move the line a little bit, but what's the reason for moving it just that little bit? There needs to be some specific authority to that one reason. So that, well, we can't go any further because that's not the reason we did this. We did it for this reason. We would never do it for a holding penalty. We would never do it for an offsides penalty. Because what? Because what? Because if all we're saying is, well, because that's ridiculous. Yeah, it is. It is. And there was a time at which this would have been seen as ridiculous, but now it's not because one thing happened. Well, one thing is going to happen, but in a different way again. I think this is too simplistic. It's too, it's too narrow-minded. This happened. Okay, well, we'll fix that. Well, now this happened. Okay, we'll fix that. Okay, well, then we'll fix that. We'll fix that. We'll fix that. I mean, maybe we should just laser time, you know, put a laser in front of where the, uh, you know, between where the offense and defense is, and if we, we can just laser time it. If somebody crosses that line before the ball is snapped, the play's dead. That would be accurate, and it would never, ever, ever be in offsides ever again. I mean, we could put little sensors. I mean, think about it. We could put sensors in everybody's uniform, we could put sensors in the ball, which I think we're kind of already doing. I know the AAF is, at least it's some, some way, either that or it's cameras. I don't know how they're doing it. But we have more than enough technology to make sure there's never an offsides or a false start ever again. We, we could put sensors in the, the fabric of the shirts or whatever to see if, if there's ever a tug before the ball got to the player's hands. I mean, you'd probably have to put something in the ball and then in the gloves to show exactly when it made contact and also see when contact was made with the jersey, when it was, you know, if, if something was pulled, you can kind of sense that. But you understand we're talking about a 14-hour football game, right? A, and a completely unwatchable football game. So again, the problem is where do you draw the line? The only way that this works, the only way we have a football game is if at some point we say, you know what, I'm good with mistakes. I'm good with penalties. He got there a little early. Oh, well. And we don't want to say that because when it happens to our team, we get mad. Well, that shouldn't have happened. He cheated. Well, yeah, he was there a little bit early. But think about all the hand fighting that goes on. I mean, pretty much every single play could be and should be and is a penalty. Holding by the offensive line. There's always a holding. There isn't a single play where somebody isn't a little bit offside. Somebody on the offensive line didn't jump off a fraction of a second too early. The offensive line isn't holding somebody. The defensive line doesn't have his hands where it's not supposed to be somewhere. 
somebody's hit, I mean, with the tackling rules, I mean, somebody's hitting too high, too low, too whatever. Somebody hit a, a fraction of a second too late out of bounds. The DBs and the wide receivers are hand fighting too much. Somebody held, uh, you know, a little bit too far downfield. The, the defender got to the player a fraction of a second too early before the ball should have got there, which maybe caused them to not catch the football every single play. And I get it. Well, we're not talking about that. This was a blatant thing. Okay, fine. Where do you draw the line? Where is the line between blatant and not blatant? I mean, give me a specific. What is the specific? You, that's the problem. You can't just say, well, you know, judgment. Everybody should know. No, everybody doesn't know, especially now that it's reviewable. And all judgment is going to do based on the referees is going to make them use their better judgment to say, well, that wasn't blatant. Well, the problem with that now is, first of all, the stoppage still happened. So that, that problem still exists. That doesn't fix anything. The second problem is, if we're using blatant as the judgment call, then that means there's going to be penalties that the referees are going to watch and say, well, that wasn't quite blatant enough. We're going to let that penalty slide. Well, that's ridiculous. If you're watching a penalty happen, you got to throw the flag, right? Well, okay, well, then if they challenge it and there's a penalty, then you overturn it. Well, okay, here's the problem with that. As I said, there's a penalty on every single play. If somebody, if a critical thing happens, like on a third and ten, why wouldn't you just throw the flag? Save all your challenge flags until the end, unless something blatant happens. Then on that final drive, when Aaron Rodgers is trying to drive down the field, they've got three penalty flags. And on every critical play, it's going to be first down, second down, third down. First, they get Packers get a first down. They're going to throw the flag. Why? To go get them review and find a penalty somewhere. Because it probably happened somewhere. I mean, you can have you can have guys on staff on third down saying, you watch the wide receivers, you watch the offensive line, we're going to take our best shot. That's something that happened. I think there was a push-off by that wide receiver. They'll throw the flag, and then they'll review it, and then there you go. This is not a fun football game we're talking about anymore. This is nonsense. This is big brother tattling to mommy football. I want everything to be perfect. I want everything to be fair. Dude, I get it, and I know how frustrating missed calls are, but this is getting ridiculous. And I, listen, not even this. This, If I knew that this was it, I don't. I kind of like it. Because some of these more egregious penalties, this is it. And something like that, yeah. And, and again, in a vacuum, this is fine. I just worry about where are we going with this? What it, why, why, is there, why can't we assume there's going to be more of this? Because, again, I promise you there's going to be more missed calls, and I promise you they're not all going to be defensive pass interference. Beyond that, if you listen to what Mark Murphy had to say, he made it very clear that they had no intention of stopping here. When he talked about this, he referred to it as, as like a step in the right direction. I don't remember what his terminology was, but it was everything he said was like, oh, so this is just like, this is, this is the gateway drug, right? I know, that's, that's about as annoying to some people as slippery slope. But that's what we're talking about. We're going to implement this, we're going to see how it goes, we're going to iron it out, and then, you know, then we can implement it to other penalties. Again, I don't know if that's actually going to happen, but I can tell you for sure that that is what it sounded like Mark Murphy was saying. Here's another problem with the rule. And Chris Landry brought this up on his podcast. It puts too much unnecessary pressure on coaches when the the problem should lie with the referees. They're the ones tasked with getting this right. Putting it in the coach's hand and saying, you now have to help us officiate. If we miss something, you have to throw the challenge flag. No, that's not my job. That's your job. You fix this. You figure it out. We have more than enough technology and all this different stuff. You can have people in New York watching. If something egregious happens, I mean, heck, you can have people monitoring Twitter if you want. Not sure how helpful that's going to be because every single play is going to be a penalty or something. 
but find a way to monitor when something egregious happened and and be there for it. But that's your job. I mean, think about how much scrutiny there's going to be if there's a blatant call, you know, outside of the two-minute mark, so it's not going to be booth review. You know, with three minutes left in the game, there's an egregious call, and the re- you know the, the coaches didn't see it. Or if they did see it, but they don't have any challenge flags yet left. And the player goes running over there. He, he knocked me out before the ball got there. And he's like, I know, I don't have any challenge flags. What do you want me to do? That, that coach is going to be crucified because the refs made a mistake. It's not his fault. So, yeah, I, I think the technology is there, and I think the, you know, the idea that we just need to have four, five, six guys on the field making sure they see everything because they have an impossible job. But I, I don't mind the idea of having a review or a team of reviewers upstairs. Again, the, the biggest problem is where do you draw the line? If you get some people that are extra jumpy, like, oh, he was offside, throw the flag. I don't necessarily like that. So here, I guess, is my final thought. Something bad happened last year that that was actually really, really rare. Right? See, that's the problem. If we're just talking about taking away that one thing, what we're doing is creating 10 problems to take away one very rare problem. If we're saying, no, penalties happen all the time, then we're talking about expanding this rule to being even bigger, which creates a massive problem. So either either lane you want to pick, it's a problem. If you say that we're taking away all the errors, then you're ruining football. If you're saying we're just taking away that one play, then we're implementing a rule that's going to create 10 new problems to take away one play that almost never happens. Because something that blatant, I mean, when was the last time before that that you saw somebody get hit three seconds before the ball got there and no flag was thrown? So we're, we're creating a new law within football, this massive thing that has the potential to create a lot of problems, simply to feed the rabid dogs some red meat. I know the Saints are mad, and rightly so, but okay, what other penalties, what other points in, in NFL history would have that fixed something? Again, you, you, can, you can pick a bunch of plays that weren't as blatant, but now we're sliding the scale the other way, and we're creating a bigger problem, as I said, where we're just throwing flags looking for penalties. So I, I don't know. Again, in a vacuum, I don't mind this. You know, defensive pass interference, as as Murphy said, are, are some of the more egregious penalties that people get wrong. They tend to be some of the more critical ones because we're talking about massive yardage, especially toward the end of the game when you're really trying to get down the field. You, we want to make sure we get that part of the game right, right? That's the most exciting part. That's the thing NFL cares about the most, you know, those big pushes down the field. And we certainly don't want defense getting the better of the offense. So I guess if we can promise no more rules in this direction... I'm okay with trying it and seeing how it goes. I, I just feel like this is... I, I, I just don't think it's going to turn out the way we feel like it's going to turn out. Again, in a vacuum, it's great. I like the rule. But I just tend to think that this is going to get worse before it gets better. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Another bit of news, uh, Matt LaFleur has said that he would like to have uh, a practice with another team to do a, uh, a little bit of a joint practice scrimmage type deal. I, I like that. I don't really know the reasoning behind McCarthy saying no to that. I know he kind of had a very specific way of doing things. He liked to keep things close to the vest. There's probably also, he was very, very concerned with injuries. And that's a good thing. I know the Packers have had a lot of problems with injuries. Again, not as much as 
Packer fans think, but there were still a good amount of injuries, and he was very, very protective of that. And we, we saw this, – this is kind of what, what I like, and I hope we're going in this direction because I, I – it's tough because I'm making – I'm trying not to make as many assumptions as I'm probably about to. Sometimes I get too cautious. I, I want to try to be as accurate as I can be and not make wild accusations, but I, you know, I also want to tell you what I think. I think Mike McCarthy, on top of getting comfortable in his job, was also getting... I'm trying to think what, what the right word is. It was more about preservation. It was more about protecting what we have, and I think that was the Packers in general. We've got a good thing, I just don't want to mess it up. And in the process, it was a slow erosion. I think practices got a little bit softer, they got a little bit more lax. I don't know this. But again, the, the, the biggest thing we kept hearing about was injuries. And you look at family night, for example. We took that away... And we needed to go back to just a practice with people in shorts just throwing footballs in nets. And it was actually, what up dance party? Uh, I went last year for the first time. I've been wanting to go for years. I mean, it's just, it's not good, man. I mean, there, there's some good parts to it. And there's a little bit of a, a scrimmage going on. But I miss that that game. And I'll be completely honest. If I don't know who has control over that necessarily. Maybe that's a, a Gutekunst or Mark Murphy decision from up top. But if Lafleur has a say in it, I would love it to bring that back. Because similar to the rule change, at some point it's like, you know what, injuries are going to happen. We definitely need to take it easy in this game, right? Don't don't go all Josh Jones, it's just smashing people in practice. But let's play a game, man. Just just Even if it's just like a Pro Bowl game. Because we do need that extra practice. And I don't know how many times, if you listen to the podcast for any period of time, I've said that September football is just preseason for the starters. NFL players, with, with the rules and with coaches getting more conservative and, and worrying about injuries and with the CBA and all this different stuff, the, these guys don't ever hardly play football. They practice and they work out when they're not in, you know, when they're in the off season. And we do walkthroughs and we do all this silly stuff that doesn't actually account to what it feels like to actually play in a game. But as much opportunity as you have to play in a real football game and get some real competition and some real problems going, good, let's do it. So th- this to me is kind of a no-brainer. I-, I don't know why we wouldn't do this. Maybe there's some concern about other guys hurting your players. There's con- some concern you've seen in the past about fights breaking out. Good. So what? Let's get the energy level up. Um, and and Lafleur has said, and I know this was a concern for a lot of people, well, you know, it's going to be hosted somewhere else and we're not going to get an opportunity to watch. There was also concern with, um, I think, something like the Saturday practices are now going to be walkthroughs. And a lot of the Green Bay folks are all upset. Oh, that means I'm not going to be able to watch the practice in person. And look, I understand there's a lot of tradition, and I don't want to step on tradition, especially with the Green Bay Packers. But as somebody who grew up in Illinois and lives in Madison, who's only been to Green Bay like three times in his life, I'm sorry, but I want the Packers to win. And if Lafleur thinks this is going to help us win, as opposed to letting you and, you know, few hundred other people or whatever sit and watch in person i'm really sorry but i kind of don't care all things being even absolutely go ahead and get out there you guys get to watch we get a little bit of you know some some clips get put up even from here i get to hear about what happened and kind of see what happened at the end of the day i want the packers to be better and i don't want them to cater to us in the off season and cater to us during practice and cater to us in all these different things if it's not going to help us win in the regular season while other teams are doing things that matter we're focused on let's make sure that we feed the fans and keep the tradition alive there's still going to be practices take a day off work and go watch them again sorry not trying to sound cold and callous but there are a lot of fans there are a lot of green bay packers fans 
And all of us just want to see a good season. And I'm sorry that a fraction of a fraction of you would like to go watch him on Saturday. But I don't think that's a good reason to not do what Lafleur thinks we need to do to make sure that everybody's up to snuff, especially in his first year. If we're going to do walkthroughs and try to implement certain things and make sure that you guys understand my scheme and all this different stuff, maybe we'll bring back Saturday practices next year. But this year we need a little bit of extra time kind of walking through this a little bit. So I, I like it. I like that he's taking the bull by the horns. He's saying we're going to do things my way. We're going to push it a little bit. We're going to go up against other teams. We're going to spend a little bit of extra time understanding the offense, understanding the, the implementation of the defense, because that's been a big problem for this team. Wide receivers, no idea what to do. A lot of young guys are, are new additions. The, the tight ends are a bunch of new guys. Defense, guys just don't know what they're supposed to be doing. Let's take an extra day to just make sure, okay, you do understand what we're doing here, right? Let's walk through this rather than assuming everyone knows go out to practice and just yell at people because they're all don't know what they're doing so i think it's kind of cool and i mean it's it's going to be exciting and it's going to be one of those things where it's going to give us something a little extra to be kind of jacked up about something a little extra to talk about it'll be a lot more of a fun practice that we don't really get to talk about or see or hear about very often so i don't know i guess if we're going to do the slippery slope thing mccarthy was always very protective of packers fans packers tradition so, you know, how far is Lafleur going to take us away from that? I don't really know. But again, as somebody who's way away from Green Bay, I care about the winning tradition more than I care about silly practice traditions. And I understand not wanting to take the team out of the state just because it's undue stress on the team. Not that I actually care. I mean, if you could teleport to another field, I could not care any less. Go play in Tennessee. Why do I care? Take a practice down to Miami, Florida. Go get accustomed to a little bit of that heat. Again, don't care. Just make sure you're hydrated. Don't go pulling any hamstrings. I just want the team to be good. We all just want this team to be good. And I'm going to trust LaFleur that he's going to do what it takes to make this team good. And I'm certainly not going to sit back and cry and say, yeah, but tradition. What tradition? The one tradition that you and six other people get to enjoy and the rest of us don't? Give me a break. I have a tradition. It's called watching the Packers on Sunday 16 times a year. That's all I get. And I would like it to be as enjoyable as possible. It's one of the cool things I said about doing this podcast is you get to see where everybody's from. And as I said, I would have assumed it was all Wisconsin and a couple of people other, elsewhere. Absolutely incorrect. The vast majority of the people listening are not in Wisconsin. There are more people outside of the country listening than there are people in Wisconsin listening. The tradition is awesome. The small town atmosphere is awesome. Winning is awesomer. So, Lafleur, you have my blessing. Do whatever it is you need to do. Just win football games, man. Anyways, um, another quote that I heard just kind of running through some of the different videos that were recorded. I know that uh, LaFleur has done a bunch of interviews. Uh, one of the notes here, and it's on Packers.com if you want to go listen to it, all of this stuff is. But this is the video that says LaFleur wants to stretch the field vertically with the receiving core. This is something that I kind of was talking about a little bit the other day. And it's, it's, it's a big question mark for me as far as what direction the Packers want to go. Because when you look at wide receiver... We've got bodies, but it's a question of how good are they and how much do we trust them. But here's the other thought, and, and with Lafleur kind of saying this, it kind of helps solidify it. What I had mentioned a couple of days ago is we need to work on the middle of the field. We need a slot receiver. We need a tight end. The more I look at it, the, the idea of getting, for example, TJ Hawkinson at 12, a Nasir Adderley at 30, and a, you know, A.J. Brown at 44. It doesn't have to be exactly that. I understand linebacker is also somewhat of a need. Maybe you could exchange Hawkinson. I don't know. But I, I just think how beneficial that would be to have that middle-of-the-field tight end guy, or possibly Fant if you're looking for more athleticism as a receiving threat, but also have the, the slot guy that can work the middle of the field 
big body guy, yard after the catch guy, because we've already got the vertical threats. And the interesting thing is when he commented on it, and this is from the video, he talked about how we already have that. It's not a matter of, so when I watched the video, the thing I was wondering is, is he saying we need that or is he saying he likes that? And the, the answer is he said he likes that because we have that. We got Devontae that can do everything, he said, and we got the young guys that can stretch the field vertically. And the, the, the really interesting thing is the way he referenced it is we just need somebody that can do it to open up the playbook, not necessarily that they need to be able to win even though they can't. But you, you understand what I'm saying. What, what he's talking about is layering the football field. So when, when you have a route in which you've got essentially three guys at three different levels, let's say you've got, you know, the the slot receiver is kind of crossing kind of early. you got Devontae, you know, a little bit deeper cutting inside to the inside of the field. Well, you need to have the deep guy that can get down the field and be kind of the deep threat so, so that you can have three levels. But you have to have a speed guy. But again, the, the thing is, it's not necessarily that we need somebody that's really, really good deep. You just need to have somebody that's there so that you can have, you know, you spread out the defense. If everybody's condensed in a little area, how easy is that to defend as opposed to spreading everybody out? Well, one way you spread everybody out is you get a guy down the field and you get him down there fast. The safety is going to have to get over that direction, that's going to pull people out of somebody else's direction. So when you have a Devontae cutting in over the middle of the field, or you have a talented, big body, 225 pounds, six foot one, whatever he is, I don't know, AJ Brown type of guy working the middle of the field, or and or a TJ Hawkinson coming across the middle of the field, you have more space. So I, I found that interesting. We saw in the last mock draft with Mel Kuyper, who I don't think does a really good job with those anyways, but he had the Packers taking DK Metcalf at 12. I've considered that. I just don't think that that's a huge need. Now, is he going to be an awesome uh, addition to the team? Of course. But again, I'm going to reiterate, if and when we get a, a slot receiver, and it doesn't have to be early. I mean, to, to rework that, let's just say Devin Bush or Devin White, whoever is your favorite, we get them at 12. At 30, we get Fant. At 44, we get Taylor Rapp, and at 76, we get Andy Isabella. Again, I understand it's not a supermarket, but I'm just saying, if I'm laying out somewhat of a perfect draft, we've got a safety to pair with Amos, and the, the good thing about you know waiting on that until 44 is that at 44, we can still get a stud, but he doesn't have to be our number one safety. And by the way, now there, there's rumors, or, or it's been said, I guess, that Tremont is expected to go back to corner, so we would like to get a body in there to you know, play safety. So now we've got Fant and Isabella working toward the middle of the field. We've got Adams on the outside. You've got your speed guy on the other side. So now you can do everything. You've got a great route runner in Devontae. You've got the guys that can take the top off the field. You've got the guys that can work the middle in Fant and Isabella. Along the defensive side, now we've got a absolute freak of a linebacker that's going to be an, you know, just absolutely impose on defenses. And by the way, I spent a little bit more time watching linebackers because of what we talked about yesterday. I did also watch a little bit more of Devin Bush because I'm, I, I really wanted to understand what makes people like him so much. And I really am starting to like him a lot more. I'll kind of segue because I, I already talked about the kind of the, the perfect four in my opinion. Linebacker, safety, slot, tight end. If after that we get a, a an offensive guard, awesome. Now I didn't watch everybody yet that I said I was going to, but I watched Devin White, Devin Bush, and um, Trey Lamar. Those are the three I watched. Trey Lamar, no question the athleticism. If, so if you were to put this on a spectrum, and I know Devin Bush and Devin White, both extremely athletic, basically tested the same, but I'm just saying what I saw from watching. Trey Lamar, by far the most athletic, but probably, and I, I could see him being great in coverage, but probably the least refined 
in terms of, listen, you need to be over here, not way back over there, and, and getting washed off of plays. You know, if, if offensive linemen get their hand on him, he's not super great at getting off that. The next from there to the other side of the spectrum, which is less athletic but more refined, would be Devin White, sort of in the middle of the two. Extremely athletic, very imposing, but kind of makes some mental mistakes. Devin Bush, the one thing I really became appreciative of is every single play, what I started asking, because usually when I was watching, it was like, supposedly he's real fast. I don't really see that. He's got some speed, no question. I don't think he's, you know, super elite in coverage. I saw him get split out wide uh, in another game, and it was just a, a simple little double move, and he was just washed out completely. But I tried to watch a play in which he just got destroyed. Not did he make the perfect play, was he the guy in on it, but when did he get washed out by a line, lineman and he just couldn't get off of it? When was he in the wrong spot? When did he take a bad angle? It just, I, I didn't see it. I, I think it was the game against Notre Dame uh, with, with Devin Bush where it was, that was my favorite game of his. I watched another one, not as impressive, but if you want to see Devin Bush do a really good job of just doing the right thing all the time, go check out his game against Notre Dame. That was, that was really impressive. Not perfect, but just... You know, again, the play goes to this side. He's on the, that side of the field. He gets around because what 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 the linemen want to do is cut you off. So they're going to go that way. They're going to get up to the second level and kind of wall you off so you can't get there. He does a really good job of either beating it or getting around it and being on the correct side of the field. So, yeah, I, I was very impressed. I don't think I'd be real upset if we got either of these guys. I think Jermaine Pratt is the kind of is more of the Oren Burks type. I think he's better than Oren Burks would be my assumption, although that's kind of lazy analysis because it's hard to not be worse than Oren Burks was last year. But I, I would just have that fear of he's kind of messing stuff up. If we want like the Adrian Amos type, like just a solid football player that's not going to just mess up, I think Devin Bush is kind of that guy. So I definitely might, the, the stock rose in my book for Devin Bush. I'm always going to like Devin White just because he's a, a violent, super athletic guy. But I also think he's going to, you know, be the guy that kind of gives up a couple plays. And it's like, yeah, you weren't supposed to do that, man. So I don't know. In, in my mind, and I, there is no such thing as a perfect draft because there's other, you know, what about offensive tackle? What about this? What about that? But I, I really like, and you, you can mix and match however you want, but getting a, a tight end, a linebacker, a safety, a slot guy, I think that's pretty huge. I guess technically you could say tight end or slot. I think it'd be really cool if we took a guy like TJ Hawkinson at 12, Devin Bush is still there at 20, and we decide to trade up to get him. That would maybe cost us our third which is a lot because, again, there's other positions we'd like to get. But we're getting two top-tier elite guys in TJ Hawkinson and uh, and Devin Bush. And then at 44, maybe we don't necessarily need the, the slot guy as much. You know, we can put Allison in there or we can draft somebody in the later rounds, fourth round, fifth round, sixth round. That's more of just a specifically a, you know, a Hunter Renfro slot guy. And then at 44, we focus on getting a safety. Nasir Adderley, Taylor Rapp, whoever's available. And then we get a dominant linebacker, a dominant tight end, and a really good safety to pair with Adrian Amos. So I'm, I'm kind of refining my thoughts on the draft and, and what I would like. It's, it's nearly impossible. There's a lot of players I like, but just based on what I'm hearing, what I think makes sense, and kind of taking certain people off. And I, I know a lot of people are still, well, we got to get a pass rusher. We could, but if we're going to go back to pass rush, then I think we need to leave defensive tackle on the table. I think we need to leave wide receiver in general available, tackle, guard, whatever. I mean, it's basically wide open. But in terms of specific need, how in the first three or four picks do we just get this team up to just being, I don't want to say perfect, but pretty close, that would be the the, the best way to improve the team.
And again, guard, you can slide in there, but I think you still get good value later with guard as opposed to, you know, tight end, I think it's going to drop off. Wide receiver, maybe you can wait a little bit. Safety is absolutely going to drop off, even though occasionally you get guys. I don't know that I trust the Packers to do so. But anyways, just some random thoughts. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Uh, Another news, I guess the Packers are planning to have one of their preseason games in Canada. Trying to have an interesting take on that, but I guess I kind of just don't care. It's an away game, so we're not going to lose out on any of the home games. Packers have made it very clear they have no intention of giving up any home games. And it's also pretty rare that another team wants to give up a home game when they're playing the Packers because the Packers have such a big draw. So basically the only time teams want to uh, go overseas or whatever is going to be when two garbage teams that nobody cares about want to uh, travel because maybe they can try to find a fan base elsewhere, which I think is kind of unfortunate. You know, I think about some of the times, you know, I became a Packer fan because I was just born into it, right? It was just passed on to me. My dad was a Packers fan, so I became a Packer. I, I, it never even crossed my mind to be a different fan of a different team. I don't know how. I just, my earliest memories of football is rooting for the Packers. I don't know how it happened. But you hear a lot of other people talk about becoming a Packers fan, and it's always something kind of small. I remember hearing, you know, Lil Wayne back when we won the Super Bowl, and he did that awesome song that I listen to every year when I need to get jacked up about Packers football. But him talking about how he became a Packers fan, and it was basically because the Packers in the 90s had a Super Bowl down in Louisiana, and his dad got a bunch of Packers swag, and he grew up drinking out of Packers cups and stuff, so he became a Packers fan. So... You know, and, and as I've said, a lot of people like listening to this podcast, other podcasts, a lot of fans, they're from other places. They're from other states. They're from other countries. Canada is one of those countries. So the ability to get out there and, you know, maybe somebody brings their kid to a game and they, they get hooked. So I think it's a good thing overall. I think as many times as we can go elsewhere, although I have a hard time with the England thing just because it's such a strain. Granted, it's a strain for the other team too, but I worry about the impact you know, in the next week. Plus that game is always just weird stuff happens. That's basically like another September game or a preseason game where it's just, you never really know who's going to win because I think teams are all jet lagged and messed up and they just, it's a weird game. So if it was Packers Jaguars, it'd be like, okay, cool. The Jaguars are giving up their home game. We're going to go play them in England. But my confidence level of being able to beat the Jaguars would kind of plummet if we went over there to play them. But in general, I like that idea. I like the idea of being able to promote the brand and get more fans on board and recruit more Packers fans in other countries, other states, whatever. Um, I I probably should have added this before, but I want to add a little bit more credence to my A.J. Brown pick. Uh, This is a Zach Cruz article from the Packers Wire. 
Packers looking for bigger guys to play prominent role at slot receiver. Now, obviously, the title is a little bit clickbaity. Not not too bad, but, I mean, it makes a definitive statement, whereas as soon as you start the article, all the mites and maybes kind of start. But, you know, the title is very definitive. But he, let, me, let me just skip ahead. Here is the quote from Brian Gutekunst, the guy that is going to be making the decision about the slot position. And by the way, this is also maybe part of the reason why they got away from Randall Cobb, because as it's listed here in the article, Cobb is 5'10", 190 pounds. He also had some injury issues. Here's what Gutekunst had to say. The ability to kind of separate and create space is important. Obviously, inside there, you have to be able to hold up and take the pounding that comes with the job. So there's probably a body type moving forward that's able to separate and stay healthy. Now, clearly, the Packers have been targeting bigger guys for quite a while now. But again, you look at the slot position, and typically you got smaller guys, but there are some big slot kind of guys. In fact, the Draft Network actually did a Breaking the 2019 Wide Receiver Class into NFL Roles article by, it was Brad Kelly on March 7th. He actually categorized the different kinds of receivers, you know, X receiver, etc., etc., and he even broke down slot into slot and big slot. Interestingly, A.J. Brown is the first one that comes to mind, but he also has Nikhil Harry here as a big slot receiver. Now, Nikhil Harry does play in the slot sometimes. I, I, I just never really considered it, I guess, because he plays a lot on the, on the outside. But they classified him as a big slot, so that would be another guy to watch out for. I'll run through a few other names just so, again, you get your guys and then tell me who your guys are. So that'll be that'll be your pack daddy assignment of the day. Ready? Nikhil Harry, A.J. Brown, Jacoby Myers, Jalen Hurd, Dylan Mitchell, Anthony Ratliff-Williams, Keelan Doss, Lil Jordan Humphrey, and Alex Wesley. Those are the guys that Brad Kelly lists as big slot receivers. I think slot is going to be a big piece in in the the draft. I think they really want to get that guy and I think we can kind of narrow in on the big slot receiver type guy. So there's the list. I think if we were to wait until 44, I would be willing to bet Nikhil Harry and or AJ Brown will be available. I don't know that because they're kind of in that mix. They could end up going in the 20s for all I know. I don't know. But they could also fall. It's just a matter of again, there's probably 50, 60 guys that are really good value, kind of at that 44-ish range, but also could be first-round picks because who really knows? Um, otherwise, a lot of these guys are going to be a little bit later. And maybe, maybe that's what I'll do tomorrow. I'll look at some of these slot guys in a little more detail. But for tomorrow, if if I end up doing it, make sure you get your opinions out there. Let me know what you think about which guys you like or don't like. So as far as where I have them on the big board right now, A.J. Brown is 30, Nikhil Harry is 43. So Nikhil Harry's sitting right there. Something to keep in mind, too, because I don't, I don't think a lot of people, myself included, see Nikhil Harry as a, as a slot guy. So if we do get Nikhil Harry at 44, just keep that in the back of your mind. They're probably planning on putting him on the inside pretty exclusively. Now, they can put him outside, and maybe they will on occasion. It's sort of that versatility thing, you know? But that's probably primarily what they're looking at. But uh, running through the list, Jacoby Myers, I have at 159 out of NC State. Dylan Mitchell, 133, which is around fourth round, which which would kind of make sense, you know, if, if we wanted to go that route again, as opposed to maybe going early, especially if we get a tight end, maybe that'll take some pressure off. But, you know, we've, we've got a bunch of young wide receivers. We also have Geronimo Allison that we can kind of put in the slot or outside, whatever we want. So if we want to invest a fourth round in a slot guy, fine, but in in... in there is a desire, and I think should be a desire, to start stacking some talent with Aaron Rodgers. We've done a lot with the defense. If we have the opportunity, like I said, to get a dynamic tight end as well as um, a slot receiver, we now have, you know, Allison and Jamon and Marquez and EQ that you can use in a lot of different ways. 
along with Devontae, along with a guy like A.J. Brown or Nikhil Harry, who would be a dynamic, possibly the second best wide receiver on the team, on top of our really talented running back, on top of Noah Fant or T.J. Hawkinson. I mean, this is just a, a ridiculously scary offense, and I think we need to get back to that. I think we, we, we are still, it's, it's kind of incredible that Packer fans who have grown up seeing and expecting elite offensive play have watched the offense erode to nothing and are sitting here saying, I want defense, 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 defense. This is, this is weird. Don't we want to be awesome on offense again? Or are we just assuming that the problem was all Mike McCarthy and Rodgers is just going to snap his fingers and everything's going to be fine? Let's get the man some, some talent, man. Even if the wide receivers pan out, okay. Is there a problem going five wide once in a while? Devontae and Marquez on the outside, A.J. Brown and, and E.Q. playing in the slot, along with T.J. Hawkinson or Noah Fant. I feel like there's some potential that one of those guys might be able to get open. Just kind of thinking out loud here, but I'm just saying. I don't know. I would like to, to be able to get some offensive talent. Oh, boy. I don't know if you were listening a few days back. I had mentioned for whatever reason. I'm sure there wasn't a reason. But I was watching a YouTube channel about somebody messing with scammers. And now I have my aunt messaging me saying she got $100,000 from the IRS and I should sign up. So my day is going to be filled with messing with this guy. I've already alerted people, all right? It'll get shut down. I'm just saying. I want to stay hooked into this because this could be fun. Ideas are welcome, by the way. $100,000 is also welcome. But um, at least I get one of those things. Just got to play it cool, man. (laughs) I'm kind of glad, though, because she was freaking me out. Like, why are you talking to me like this? And why are you talking to me at 3 in the morning? No, I don't know about your recent good fortune. And yes, God is good and faithful. I'm sorry, What what's going on again? It's going to be a good day. And actually, I think I'm going to end it on that note. I was going to do one more thing, but we're at 40 minutes, and uh, I just don't have time right now. So anyways, again, homework of the day. Go out and take a look at some of those slot receivers and let me know what you think. Again, ideally, big slot. If you got somebody else at slot that you like, whatever, 